0: Hello, this is John Renaud, and you're listening to the Mobile Radio Carnival via the CEF.world. Check us out, Uncommon Genius for the Common Types. John Loody, how are you, sir? Hey, good. How are you doing, man? I'm good, brother. It's been a while. Yeah, but...
1: That's right. I know we've talked. Yeah, uh, the phone at one point in time, but
0: yeah, it's been about... a while back, man.
1: Yeah,
0: You're not. Like... You're not out freezing in a yurt.
1: No, I uh, I've kind of partially rejoined civilization.
0: No way! Oh. Tell me it's not so. <laughs> <laughs> it is.
1: No, I still got the yurt. I um. I uh, me and my girlfriend. I mean, a sixteen-foot yurt isn't enough room for me, a girlfriend and a cat. Yeah. So, yeah. So we're renting this, uh, double wide on a organic veggie
0: farm. Oh, nice man. Yeah. It's pretty You're cool. living right, brother. Yeah. Yeah. So, kids. I mean, I'm, oh, go ahead. No, you first, man. No, we're
1: still, uh, in a, you know, I think the town we're in is like 500 people.
0: <laughs> yeah, no, I so, think that's cool. Yeah, I mean, I've yeah. I've certainly considered, uh you know, living in LA is a madhouse. So I've, oh I've yeah, I don't know how you do it. Yeah,
1: I have no idea how you
0: do it. You, you just you <laughs> just kind of keep your head down and keep going, man. <laughs> it's just
1: like such a weird soul eating environment, you know.
0: It it definitely <laughs> is, man. It's a good thing I played a little football. I know how to put the helmet on and just keep your head down. Yeah, you know, because well, it's, it's funny you're, up, you're, you're up, like
1: man. oh you're one of you're one of three people i know from back in the day because as you there's um i don't know if you've run into online or off dan
0: santoni no i don't think i have uh, actually he but lives i know in i remember Hollywood. him yeah i remember yeah
1: him. well he was um yeah i don't you know he wasn't like troy high or anything like that but he right. was uh he was he's kind of he does a lot of cgi out there Oh, wow. Uh, He worked on Voyager, you know, Star Trek Voyager and uh, Game of Thrones. I think he actually was doing CGI for that. So he does a lot of that, and he's like the goth photographer to the stars.
0: Oh, nice. Well, he figured out a niche.
1: Yeah, yeah. He found his little crevasse. And then there's um, a guy named Dave Wolin, who uh, is another one, not a a Troy guy, but uh, he was head of props for, I think, CBS. So I That's, know three people that moved out there from you know the southeast Michigan era area, yeah. and none of them have become zombies. You
0: know, yeah, <laughs> it's, it's, so. yeah you can figure it out. It's like uh, I mean, I think you're you've given an example of adaptability. It, yeah. You know, it's like you can still go. You you went to kind of a. a you know, a a very solo location and you still figured out how to be creative. Yeah. So that's a cool thing. I mean, here, you know, it's just overwhelming because of the mass of people and it's a very uh, self-involved environment because of all the pursuits, Mm -hmm. basically. Yeah. You know, I wouldn't exclude myself from it either. You know, I mean, I'm out here. I'm an artist. I have an ego as well. I just manage mine differently.
1: Yeah. Well, you know, you've always been pretty understated in that regard you know i I would say you've always been confident i mean you know from day one yeah like working with you at the hotel you always had an air of confidence about you but you weren't like you know some know-it-all smarmy jerk or anything yeah well (laughs) i I, I was smart
0: enough to know i didn't know it all yeah yeah you know what i mean it's mm-hmm. funny, I, I was, uh, I, I mean, I'm going to just start rolling on this. So. All right, sure, yeah. And Did I'll you want me to paste. do the,
1: the announcement?
0: Yeah, man, why don't you give it a All shot, right. brother?
1: All right. Hey, this is John Ludy from John Ludi. And you are listening to the Mobile Radio Carnival with your host, John Renaud.
0: All right, there it is. Thank you, sir. I appreciate and that. I,
1: and I pronounced the D.
0: Yeah, that's the way <laughs> to travel, man. John yeah. Renaud. You're not a it's I like the way you do it, man. I, I had the uh the, the British lady from uh The Metal Birds did it like very fancy.
1: Yeah, I was listening to that. Yeah. yeah.
0: I just I just crushed that D, like you said.
1: <laughs> Renard. Yeah, baby. Yeah, I um, yeah, I actually I enjoyed that one was listening
0: to that. See, it was a lot of fun, actually. And uh, the Metal Birds, we play, well, we play you a lot on uh, Pluto Radio, which is always uh, a, a good feeling to me, because I I've don't even for years. bumped hear. into
1: me on there, yeah. 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 I, I check in a couple times a week. And, yeah. You know, I'm not a radio guy. I'm like a little MP3 player guy, you know, but yeah. I actually, for, for online radio, it's you guys, and then I go on to Prague Archives yeah. to listen to Prague.
0: So, well, I can understand that we do roll in some prog, but it's not uh, the yeah. predominant because our thing is actually to have the variance. Mm-hmm. You know, that's why we picked uh, Pluto because it had an eccentric orbit, it was the only planet with an eccentric orbit. Yeah, so that's us, man. But we get to play the hell out of you and, and we play yeah, the little and Yeah, of course, man. In fact, you know, just to give the listeners an idea of, of, of what you do, I think. We're going to pop in one of your tunes right now, if you're okay with that. Sure. And I think I'd like to start the show with Angry Blue Planet. Oh, cool. All right. Yeah, it's, it's a great song. All right. So here we go.
2: Boom, Oh
0: I love that tune, man. That tune is amazing. The guitar work is fantastic.
1: That guitar work is Greg Kutcher.
0: Yeah. Well, you guys That's hit a good team there, man. That yeah. sounds freaking great.
1: Well, Greg and I were in the band Softwar for five right. years. And uh, Greg is still probably one of my favorite guitar stylists.
0: Oh, he's great. The guy's
1: amazing. He's, you know... Um, yeah, After working with him, we were kind of like this this crazed songwriting duo and uh, I remember one week we wrote like 12 tunes we were like, <laughs> just, and albums and they were all decent songs, you know, they were. Yeah. You know, I mean, we didn't keep all of them, but I think during the five years we were together, I mean, there's well over 200 songs. It, it
0: yeah, your done. catalog's pretty rich. I was going through. I mean, I'm sure there's tons of stuff that's not on your YouTube channel but that's a pretty yeah. healthy mix of music you got going on that on YouTube yeah um, thanks and I saw a lot of the Quiet Earth Orchestra on there as well and mm-hmm. it's like oh that's right he did that and I saw some of the uh, young angst ridden John Luty up there <laughs> I, yeah I, not to imply you're not angst-ridden anymore, but uh, no,
1: I'm just you know I, I went from angry young man to bitter old fart, you know. I mean, yeah, that's sort of <laughs> the natural evolution.
0: You, I I figured <laughs> I figured you went from boiling to like where you set the uh, eggs to yeah. just have that bo- bubble coming through.
1: Yeah, I've I've gone from. Power to the people to get off my lawn.
0: <laughs> there you go. <laughs> that doesn't sound so grumpy coming out of you.
1: No, no.
0: <laughs> There's a little go laugh There's
1: a beer go on your way.
0: <laughs> That's funny, man. Just so the audience also knows, uh, Mr. Ludi and I go way, way back. Uh, I think I met him working at a job at uh, Somerset Inn, it was. Yeah,
1: I, yeah we were... Um,
0: yeah we were midnight
1: cleaners i was the kitchen guy and you were the you were the like um i think you were the bar guy
0: yeah Yeah. i actually got appointed i don't know how that worked i guess they gave any kid worth uh who was willing to do it the gig i I was night manager of the crew oh okay yeah and then they basically she stuck me with these guys that were all prison release guys that in their (laughs) (laughs) mid-20s manage. So I was managing these guys that were like, they were pretty rugged. Yeah. And the only way it worked is I made a deal with them. I said, I'll punch you guys out early as long as you get all the work done. And they liked me and they did all their work and got the hell out of there.
1: Yeah. Is this a, is this like a, a family-friendly show or can we swear?
0: Oh, you can do whatever you want, Mr. Loody. If it's too bad, oh, I'll yeah. just do a bleep or two.
1: Right. Yeah. now the shit we got away with. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, I think, was it you that because we had that little, uh, remember that little room that was above the kitchen management office? Yeah. That was great. Yeah. There was this, uh, there was this, you know, for the audience, there was this little party room, and I don't know who started the tradition there, uh, but it was, I think it was off the second floor, like utility hallway, and there's this little half door that I don't think anybody knew about that wasn't a midnight cleaner. And there were a couple chairs in there, a television, if I recall.
0: Yeah. You know? <laughs> so go,
1: go there and party.
0: <laughs> it seemed to be as long as the work got done, no one complained. Yeah.
1: No, no one cared. Yeah. Yeah. Because so they I just,
0: remember, they didn't want to do it. They had a bunch of kid idiots doing it.
1: Yeah, yeah, I was one of them.
0: Yeah. Me too. But I
1: just remember, like, you know. Uh, because uh, i started there when i was 15. as like a pot yeah, you washer were a kid.
0: yeah you were a i was kid. a kid yeah
1: that. and i but i remember I, I just leapt at the chance to be a midnight cleaner because yeah you know because i mean that was how i learned how to play piano was on that piano
0: me too uh, well i mean i knew how to play it but i i used yeah. to get stoned and sit there and play that half yeah. the night
1: yeah that was uh that was like my main thing of learning how to uh how to do that
0: yeah that was a that was actually a lot of fun in a weird way. You know, it, it looking back, it's like, boy, I wish I'd spent the time, maybe developing something else. But as far as doing a job and and it was a little bit like you say, chaotic and fun, even though yeah. we had to do a bunch of work.
1: Yeah, yeah. The kitchen gig, I think that was like you know, eight hour shift, and it took me two hours. Yeah. And then it was basically, yeah, you know, as you put it, get stoned, play the piano, or. Yeah. Go to denny's or hang out in that little room yeah or just sit somewhere and read it was terrible yeah i'm scarred for life but i still have nightmares about that place well i mean was i was it... there like five or yeah, i think it was there six years total oh wow and i still have dreams where you know at whatever age i happen to be so i've had these dreams ever since then uh, then I'm like stuck back there. Oh boy! You know that the only job <laughs> that I can get, <laughs> like all of a sudden I have to work like a regular job again, and the only one I can get is to move back to Michigan and work at the <laughs> goddamn Somerset. <Inn.
0: laughs> oh boy! <laughs> That's funny, man.
1: <laughs> it's just a horror. <laughs>
0: what What was that lady's name that we always was it Doris or Dolores or Dorothy? Dorothy. Dorothy. Yeah.
1: Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and she, we we encountered each other on on Facecrack and then, um, oh, and
0: interesting again, man, yeah,
1: yeah. We friended each other, and then like maybe about six months later, she just you know started poking and prodding and being a jerk, so I blocked her. Yeah, <laughs> just the same thing, just like. Well, you yeah. guys used
0: used to get into it pretty heavy, man, between music and in politics. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I just
1: yeah she was kind of a harpy, yeah
0: <laughs> yeah it yeah. was a strange it was a strange place, but it like I say, that piano kind of saved me where where you know I could smoke a little herb and and uh sit and just contemplate like uh pretend like I was a concert pianist,
1: yeah, but well, you're yeah. good, you know, no, I was always impressed you. with your playing, yeah.
0: yeah, so I mean, I guess I don't really use it much in the rock and roll stuff because it's just, I prefer the sounds of guitar is probably better, um, yeah. which by the way, I was listening to, um, let me see, what song was it? Uh, it's mistakes have been made. Yeah. And I noticed like the keyboard use that you were using in that. And you also use a similar keyboard use in, uh, uh, the traveler. I think it is,
1: uh, some of that's keyboard. Some of that's guitar.
0: Cause it sounds heavily treated. Ah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um, traveler is trying to think here the beginning part of that song is largely keyboard uh no the beginning part of that is guitar okay but that's um it's guitar but there's a um uh there's a plug-in that i use a lot called north pole right and it's this uh kind of modulating uh plug-in in it's not a very complicated one, uh, right? But the effects, these kind of really cool squelchy tones and kind of wah sounds and everything, uh, I use that liberally.
0: And yeah, I, th- I I love the way it sounds. And I thought it was keyboard, to be honest with you. I was just like, yeah. wow, that sounds lovely.
1: No, a lot of the stuff that's on uh, on the song mistakes have been made is actually guitar. Right. Uh, yeah. Uh, there's like uh, a couple. There's a couple keyboard things, like the really sonorous background, you know, stuff yeah. going on. That's keyboard. That's a, that's another plug-in. That's a synth plug-in, synth pad plug-in. But the rest of it is all guitar, if I remember.
0: So, like, that kind of, I, I don't know, when I listen to your music, I almost think that's your claim to fame between your, your voice, which is always lovely. Thank um, you. Yeah, and, and the way that you weave it into these, like, you know melodic vibrations it would be a way to describe it not that you're lacking for definition in your songs you know so it's not like electronica that it's all float but it really just seems to be like this beautiful thing that you create between tone and your voice a lot of times yeah
1: thank you um it's I attribute it to really just kind of boredom you know i mean i, <laughs> I kind of i can't stay in one place and um
0: that's a great answer sort of,
1: yeah i have to you know i have to experiment i'm not um there are artists out there that you know, that i really like that kind of write three or four songs and that's it that's kind of right. their whole career right like smashing pumpkins you know let's say for example you know i mean until their latter years, it was like I'd listened to one of their albums, and it was like, okay.
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: Except for like one, like what little slow ballad, it was all kind of the same tune. I
0: mean, yeah. Going,
1: okay, but it's a good song, you know. Um, yeah. Whereas what I do is, I would say, very eclectic. It's, um, um, it's pretty much all over the map, and that's been in a lot of ways career-wise to my detriment because yeah, there isn't that. yeah there isn't one john Luty song you know there's right. not one archetypal thing and that so that kind of in a lot of ways makes me anonymous yeah. um until you've actually heard it enough to recognize the voice and recognize the production and the use of instrumentation and if one has the patience to do that, then you can pretty much go, oh, what's he up to now? Yeah. And there's probably globally maybe less than a thousand people <laughs> that, that do that with my work, you know? right. um, which is fine, whatever, you know. I mean, I, I long ago accepted that on a karmic level, let's say, that the people who are supposed to hear what I do are going to hear it and everybody else isn't, and that's okay, you know. Um and you know i got in it to basically save the world you know it was a john lennon trip for me so having realized that that's not going to (laughs) happen on any level (laughs) via any conduit um it's no longer you know like a notion of me trying to be as big as you two or somebody so i'm happy if three or four people in a day listen to my stuff so on on platforms
0: I'm at the same exact place and and in a weird way I feel like I do the same in the sense of I kind of do what I feel like doing Mm -hmm. and I'm not trying to go I'm not trying to create the myth of of the song maker that people will follow per se and uh it's very gratifying I mean hugely gratifying at one at the level of like when I sit back and look at what I've done yeah. um and i'm sure you have that same feeling on some nights where you're just like damn you know look at that that's 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 cool that i've been able to create this out of my own heart mm-hmm. um and in a way it that is satisfying enough and if you get yeah two thousand four thousand people that even know who you are by name mm-hmm. i think that's i think that's doing something well when
1: i thought about it a while back i like thought i've been doing this since i was 15 years old yeah. And I had, uh, you know, like, Pliny the Elder for a couple years, which was a uh, kind of residence-esque thing that I did with uh, Bill and Ken, Bill O'Connor yeah. and Ken Shaw. And that ended up on a cassette label. And we got, you know, I sent out tons of demos. I got radio play on weird stations all over the globe. And then software, you know, when you gigged all over the country for five years and you know and when i when i look at everybody whether it's off-grid living videos or it's, right. uh, stuff i've written or music i mean i've probably hit maybe over a million pairs of years or eyes over the right. years you know, i agree if you compress it it would be really cool <laughs> yeah. so but i mean it's extended over four decades and so I mean, I feel like gratified in the sense that I've had an effect. I've reached a lot of hearts and minds, and hopefully, the end result was a positive one. Right. And my notion was always to try to get people to think or feel through music and through lyrics, and and um, you know raise the level of uh, of critical thinking out there via you know the songs that I write. And, You know, hopefully I've accomplished that at least on some incremental level, but it's like a minnow swimming, you know, up a waterfall (laughs) culturally, you know, I mean, just especially um, like in your interview with, um, um,
0: was it Suzanne? Yes. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Um, yeah, I was, you know, it was interesting because it's sort of like talking about the death of rock and yeah. Uh, All that and just kind of going well, this technology has been really a double-edged sword for us content creators because Yeah, I mean I can do this. I do this because I can afford to you know I do this because my studio is my laptop and I've learned enough about production over the years that I can just do it by myself start to finish with a mod. you know, just a modicum of, of equipment you'd laugh if you saw what i'm working with
0: yeah no i get <laughs> it's it just, it's I next to it, nothing
1: man. you know um but the fact that it can be done easily means that everybody can do it right. and so over the decades the, the quality of it has just gone yeah, yeah. <laughs> and uh, i've been spending an awful lot of time on soundcloud using a thing called repost exchange and and it's where Artists send you their stuff, we just repost it, you give it a listen. And you know, since I'm Captain Snooty about music, you know, I reject probably about three quarters of what I get. Right. Cause most of it's drivel.
0: Yeah.
1: <laughs> um and a lot of it is uh just like kind of generic bad hip hop that claims that it's alternative rock, so you'll listen to it.
0: Right. <laughs> Looking for so a market. Yeah, you know.
1: Um yeah, maybe this you know, this uh, this toothless old guy is gonna really like my <laughs> yeah. my dad, hip hop too. <laughs>
0: he's been he's been sitting in his yurt just waiting to hear this.
1: <laughs> this is it, man! You just set my soul on fire.
0: <laughs> exactly. Well, that's it, 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 kind of the thing too um, that I always find it's like because there is so much saturation, I guess would be the word it's tough to know where the real flavor is. It's tough to mm-hmm. know, or there's a huge funnel that everyone's pouring into, but we're at the top of the funnel and not at the the spout area, you know, yeah. and it's just take, it's choking things out, mm-hmm. I, you know, cause who's the measure you're, you know, as well as I do, who's to measure of what has worth and what doesn't have worth, right? The individual. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, you know, art kind of fills the land that way. And uh, so I wouldn't say you're snooty. I, I understand that you just mean, you know, what they're sending isn't satisfying yeah your musical development really because you're a pretty developed person you started off back with prog rock back in the day yeah Obviously, punk and prog you know yeah, yeah you spent a little time with bowie because you can hear it in your voice or at least that yeah. that ilk of, of performers and which actually is before your time yeah right?
1: well i mean that was the stuff that uh because the stuff that i got into i think it was like 12 or 13 and and i like it was the first king crimson album was was the one that um really opened my eyes that one uh because i was babysitting for this hippie couple oh, that's and funny. this was uh, yeah this is uh i was living in sterling heights yeah sterling heights in an apartment complex and i babysat for this hippie couple and they had this enormous stereo which was kind of you know just huge for an apartment right um, and they had the volume set at 11 basically and, Jesus. And, and they said yeah check out the albums you know um, so i'm i'm leafing through all the albums and i see like the you know deep purple and black sabbath and savoy brown and all that stuff right and, and i saw that face and then i turn it on and it's the you know this delicate mellotron flute tones at the beginning of 21st century schizoid man you know oh that's cool which and then the song actually kicks in and it just blew my head off. So, yeah, that was what made me start the whole process at that age. And then I think it was only really a few weeks later that it was uh, Bongo Fury with uh, Frank Zappa and Captain Beefheart oh, yeah. that I borrowed from a library. And then it was like, yeah, okay, I'm doomed. I'm screwed for life. Yeah.
0: So, there, <laughs> there comes the, the Zappa influence. And then, the, yeah. like, tuning in the Zappa, I'm sure, at that point.
1: Yeah, yeah. So a lot of that, that was the first time that, you know, anything resembling popular music made any sense to me. Right. Um, And it was like, yeah, the stuff from my planet, (laughs) everything else was just, you know, radio stuff and whatnot. So, yeah, you know, and I I guess my tastes have relaxed over the years and broadened considerably. But, you know, at the time, I mean, if it didn't have like about 10 different time signatures in a, you know, 12-minute song, I was kind of bored with it pretty fast. Yeah. Were you
0: into Rush, out of curiosity? I was into Rush
1: a bit. Um, I liked them. You know, I wasn't an avid listener, but I admired the hell out of their musicianship and, you know, the songwriting, uh, that was largely the drummer that wrote the songs. And, you know, obviously a very fine and discerning intellect you know, as well as a great drummer, so, yeah. but I wasn't like, I didn't collect their albums the way I did with, like, I don't know, King Crimson, or Zappa, right. or early Genesis, uh, or uh, <clears throat> stuff like uh, General Giant, or Hawkwind, yeah. or whatnot.
0: Well, it's <laughs> funny, because I, I, I that guy was trying to see where you were at with that, because I kind of always considered Rush, like, pop prog, if that yeah. makes sense. Yeah. And, so, and so I never really dug them because I know not taking it away from, like you say, the musicianship. But I, I always just felt like, you know what, that's not rock and roll enough for me. It's a little on the pop side. Um, whereas I was even unfamiliar with uh, Hawkwind. Yeah. For years and years and years and years and years, you know. Um, yeah. Some of, band, some, of, some of the bands you used to listen to, I, I was like, I had no clue about.
1: Yeah, i remember i used to bring in tapes and i'd play play them on the boom box in the kitchen and and just the perplexed looks that i would get from people that would come in
0: there (laughs) but that's cool man because you were just doing it yeah uncensored and like hey here's an idea you know which is what i did yeah Yeah.
1: well a lot of that was pot you know a lot of that was just you know just all the additives and and what i got out of music back in those days was uh that it created visual imagery for me right you know in the sense that um I, I realized a while back that i kind of had i guess maybe a mild case of synesthesia where colors have tones you know um there are colors that i hear that i see when i hear a note there are times where like if i hear certain things i'll get a scent or a taste you know it's kind of a uh, and i But it's really mild. It's not like, you know stumbling into things because of it, but um, But you know and and additives back in the day when I still did them um, Really like enhanced that so So music that produced visual content for me was huge. Yeah And I think that's probably where I wasn't hugely into rush because they didn't really do that, you know. Whereas some of the stuff that was more pastoral, like Pink Floyd or whatever, you know, I would get I would get more out of that. So,
0: yeah, if Rush was really tight-stitched too. You know what I mean? Yeah, it almost had a they almost had a polish to them that made them non-Prog in a way. Mm-hmm. But it, yeah, it they're really, kind of they're kind of crossover. Weird. You know? Yeah. Oh yeah, absolutely. It was strange too because they would do all the weird time signatures and things like that. But it's like no matter what, they still sounded like a rock band opposed to a prog Mm -hmm. band, to me me at least. Yeah, they were,
1: they had a level of artistry in doing that because they could get away with murder. Yeah, (laughs) And you'd still, you know, you'd still be thinking that it was like, you know, this toe tapping thing, but they'd be playing in six, eight or whatever.
0: Yeah, brilliant stuff. Yeah. So that's very cool, man. That's good history and everything. I want to take the time to put on another song. All right uh what song would you like uh song i know you have so much to choose from why don't we just do stay with the traveler we were talking about the traveler yeah okay sure cool man So, so that was guitar intro? Is that what you were saying? Or is it? Was that was
1: a guitar so, intro. That
0: That's a guitar.
1: Most of the rest of that, I think, is uh keyboard, yeah. if I recall. And then, um, and then it kicks into the other thing. There's a little bit of lead guitar going on. And then God, yeah. that big wall of sound is um, kind of that post rock Sigur Ross, you know, kind of. Uh, uh, just layers of um uh like guitar that is trying to think of how i did that but it's like multiple levels of distortion reverb and echo you know to the point where you hit a chord and it just sounds like this really beautiful car wreck yeah (laughs) yeah uh and i started playing with that on a couple tunes
0: yeah i've heard i've heard you use those um similar tones and things in other pieces and it sounds lovely to me man thanks hey i wanted to uh talk a little about off-grid john (laughs) yeah off-grid john
1: um well i bought the whole origin of of the off-grid living thing was i was living in chicago right and kind of at the tail end of a five-year cohabitational relationship. It was kind of fizzling out. And it had an inheritance, not a huge one, but a decent one. Uh, I'd saved up a nice chunk of change too. So, you know, a couple of tens of thousands. And it was pretty quickly after the 08, you know, September 08, when the Whole global economy, you know, almost <laughs> ground to a halt. Right. Um, so that happened, and I was like, "Yeah, it's coming. It's right. Here. I can taste it. So I should probably buy some land." And I was on a um, on a forum called "Life After the Oil Crash." Okay. And it was a peak oil forum, and it was uh, there was a woman on there. Uh, who went by the name Wisconsin Doom Slut? <laughs> oh my God! <laughs> she's actually she's she's a good friend. She's just a, a dear human being. And, That's um, funny, man. Yeah, and she was in real estate in the area, and so I you know connected with her, and said, "Yeah, hey, you know, show me some land." And and I looked at this three acre parcel and just fell in love with it. And it's uh, in the Driftless area. Of uh, Southwest Wisconsin, and it's so called the Driftless because when the waves of glaciation hit, they avoided this very large football-shaped piece of land, and no one knows exactly why. There's never, you know, but it's it's interesting because where I live is sort of like a taste of the Appalachians or the Ozarks. It's extremely hilly. I mean, when you think of Wisconsin, you think of flat land like you know, like uh, Illinois or most of Michigan or Kansas or whatnot, but actually where I live is in the hills. Um and it's absolutely beautiful. It's a beautiful area. It attracts some interesting people, but yeah, but it's a uh yeah. Um but it is just this utter, you know, hidden little paradise in the Midwest. So I bought this piece of property basically is a doomstead, as a place to go if the uh, economy were to finally tank and, and <laughs> as, as it perpetually seems right around the, you know, right on the precipice of doing. And uh, um, so I bought it. I thought about putting a, up a cabin, but I ended up putting a yurt there yeah and thought, eh, why don't I put a temporary structure up there that I can actually live in? i actually had that property for a couple years before i moved out there full time which was in like 2011 and then i just you know i i had vacation there enough you know to know that i could live off-grid in theory i said Nah, screw it i'm just gonna you know give this a shot and pretty much almost anything i do i'll turn into a a project because i'm just that screwed in the head so I, uh, I like when I've traveled, I've made travel logs and, you know, not content to just enjoy the experience. I got to document it. So I figured, all right, I'm a city guy, you know, Detroit, Minneapolis, Chicago, Providence, Rhode Island. Um, it'd be kind of interesting to document, you know, my, my learning curve, uh, in the, in the way that I adapt, because, uh, Especially growing up like in Detroit, Detroit, you know, as a kid and growing up really poor, it was sort of like, well, the ways of having to improvise and do without and and you know save your string and right. you know have multiple uses for single objects. That all came in handy when I you know moved out to a you know 200 square foot structure in the middle of the woods. Right. <laughs> so, so then I just you know I started. Making all these videos about yeah. it, and you know, and how I coped, and the mistakes that I made, and and the things that I learned, and you
0: know. I think one of the ones that comes to mind, or that I remember off the top of my head, is the kettlebell episode where you were explaining. Oh, the, yeah,
1: that was yeah, that was kind of a latter day one. Um, and that was just I, a,
0: well, the thing I think I remembered it was because I did. I'm like, you know, I never thought of John as a workout kind of guy, and it, it was oh, yeah. so. Odd that way to watch you go through your thing there, and yeah. of course the one I remember most is when you went into your van and played the song to test a new microphone.
1: Oh, the uh, yeah, because I, I was going to do a series. I was going to do yeah. a series of of cover tunes and, and originals and uh, songs from the van, but I never really you know. Um, yeah, that one still people watch that one, and I think yeah. because of the song that I did, Powderfinger, which people either seem to really like or really hate my version of it
0: <laughs> i thought it was great and and there you are i'm like what the hell's he doing man and you're sitting in a it was like a strip mall or something parking lot right yeah yeah because it was well I, re- I remember you like looking at at people while you're playing like and i'm like yeah that's what made me think what the hell's he doing because yeah. you're looking at people walking by you Yep. <laughs> yeah i get the
1: visual distraction and everything yeah, you know?
0: It's hysterical. plus it's
1: like the paranoia of being like in a area and i'm i'm playing my guitar so the van's going to be bouncing up and down a little bit you right. know and uh yeah it's sort of like all right i've gotta i've gotta maintain a certain level of um, you know, I can't just burst into joyful exhilaration and bounce up and down or people are going to think I'm doing odd things in a, you know, Walmart parking lot or whatever.
0: <laughs> but
1: I have recorded, like, that mistake, you see, well, that's another thing about the yurt. Okay, the yurt, it's a, you know, it's basically a big glorified tent. So there's no soundproofing. So basically... A lot of the albums that I've done since I moved out there, I did that one. I did um, uh, Rage and uh, Obsolescence. I've done three albums since I moved out there uh, full time since 2011. And um, most of anything that required singing or playing an acoustic guitar was done right. in a van. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it was recorded in a minivan with a handheld multi-tracker.
0: Because you needed to mute the outside sounds or stop them bleeding in. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Because I don't want to be a pest, you know, and I don't want to let the whole valley know that I've got musical instruments,
0: you know. Yeah. uh, Yeah.
1: So, so yeah, a lot of what you hear was done while I'm sitting in the, you know, in one of several vans.
0: No, I I think it, I remember seeing that one just thinking that, you know, that you were nuts in the coolest sort of way.
1: (laughs) Yeah. That one's like, God, that one's. 2011 or 12 yeah. or something
0: like that yeah honestly i thought who who wouldn't dig this guy after seeing this like who, what musician type what what free earther type wouldn't appreciate you know what you got going on so yeah. it just it was fascinating to see
1: <clears throat> well what i've you know i i've yeah i don't think much of what i've done has really caught much of a spark you know right. um and i would say that there's you know, it's probably a few different reasons for that. I, I would say, especially with the music. Uh, actually, the the most the most well watched stuff has been the off grid John stuff because it's just yeah. ended up circulating through the prepper community and off grid living communities. Yeah. So some of those have gotten like twenty thousand views or whatnot. But uh,
0: I think I also saw you do uh, something in the silo. I had an acoustic duo out here for about six years
1: and it had its um had its moments the recorded stuff was pretty cool we did um but it's mostly uh this guy john cox his songs it ended up being and uh it was folky stuff you know kind of right and and i'm not a folky really so in a lot of ways it was kind of like um david bowie doing music with um, willie nelson you know <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> a weird combination that i would say probably 50 percent of the time when we'd record stuff it worked right. but other you know and it was just yeah when it was on it was really on when it wasn't it was just sort of eh. <laughs> yeah, I mean,
0: yeah i mean it's still what a playful thing to take yeah and, and just go we're doing a test We're i think yeah. you guys preface it we're doing a test and you're standing in a silo with well, your acoustic yeah. guitars, and honestly, the guitar sounded great, but it because you, you couldn't control the vocal volume. Yeah. that's the only thing that suffered.
1: Yeah, well, it was you know really sonorous and echoey in there. Yeah, and it was on uh, it was on his uh, sister's farm. So it's like this abandoned abandoned grain silo on a, on his sister's
0: farm. <laughs> I mean, the, the reverb sounded amazing. Yeah, the
1: reverb was cool.
0: Yeah, yeah. Did you, where'd you set the mic on that?
1: Uh, that was just a camera mic.
0: Interesting. I would have. I would. I kept thinking, man, I'd love to hear it at the top. Mm -hmm. Just, just to see what happens to the to the rise of the musical vibration. Yeah,
1: yeah. It was just the uh, that was the. I think I had my little Sony uh, portable handheld camera with stereo microphones in it. So I think I just stood that up in there, and that was basically the audio feed.
0: So, you used so, the, of, the official off grid John uh, camera yeah, to do that. Yeah. Nice, man. <laughs> that was a great of, Didn't you take that on the road as well?
1: Yeah. I did two different, you know, I kind of test, quote unquote, test marketed a couple different video series. I had um, Sing Open Mics Across America. And that one was basically just going to all these open mics and, uh, you know, traveling across the country and just going in there and, Meeting the host and saying, hey, I'm doing this thing. And, you know, and it would basically be a description of the club, short interview with the host, uh, kind of like a montage of the uh, performing artists trying to make sure that it was originals that I was recording because right. of ASCAP and their various antics. Um, which was interesting because like the first time I ever tried it, just a, a test that I did was at this uh, local bar in the hinterlands, and uh, the woman owned the bar came up to me and said, Well, you know, you can't record any covers. I'm like, what? I said, yeah, if you record people playing covers and it goes on YouTube, then we'll probably have some ASCAP guy. Oh, <laughs> boy. By. I'm like, oh shit. Oh,
0: boy.
1: <laughs> you can't do anything nice.
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: To the man,
0: you know, so. I don't think that would ever really be a problem.
1: It actually has.
0: Interesting. Um,
1: yeah, it actually has. They uh, Those people will monitor little YouTube things. Right. I mean, they're like constantly looking to get their, you know, pennies yeah. out of,
0: you know, some. Out of the people.
1: Yeah. Um, so I did that and I made, I think there was like 24 of them that I did, but I only edited like 10. And the idea was that, you know, and I'm sure this is something that you come across with Pluto Radio. It's just that, uh, and I think you know, you mentioned it in that interview that I listened to. Was so, um, you have these artists on there, you know, and the cross pollinization doesn't happen, right? So my thought was that okay, that series and the travel logs that I did, where I find interesting people and businesses and interview them, it's sort of like, all right, you push that. And then that'll increase the views and it will make people more aware of your businesses or yourself as an artist. It will give me more of a name as a presenter, which will in turn synergistically help you and other people like you as I continue on this process. So I did that. I made 10 of each and it just kind of went. (laughs) No, I
0: I, I get it because your point's well made this whole idea of, it just seems like outside of corporate pushing, we don't seem to know how to actually build a community. So we mm-hmm. just take take the, the majority of what's pushed at us and assume that's our community, yeah. um, where you're trying to do something that actually will uh, lift everyone up if they just agree to it. That's all it is, mm-hmm. it's that simple. Yeah. It's like, you have to take your part and do your part and agree to it, and we'll build something
1: well, we are a culture you know i mean Western civilization first of all, but America first and foremost uh we are a very you know we're a narcissistic culture, we're an ego driven culture we're a me 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 my thing you know um yeah. uh and and that's just you know i'm I'm not gonna get political, <laughs> but we've just you know. We've just had a pretty extensive episode of of that you know that very thing embodied um, in the highest office. So I mean, it's just basically that infantile id. It's saying me, 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 um, and I call it the post-Springer culture. You know,
0: <laughs> where, it makes sense to me. What where
1: it's just you know the the instant gratification, the you know the rising tide. Yeah, you know, the rising tide should raise all boats, and and that should be a more, you know, there should be a more communitarian thinking if we're all to survive (laughs) the various things that are on the horizon, but we're not gonna, you know, and and it's, and it is essentially because people just are not willing to get beyond their own, uh, their own primal egotism and, uh you know, so that's what you see. You know, it's in a lot of ways why I just kind of stopped doing anything. <laughs> and what's the point? You know, um, A, we're probably doomed, as species. But B, um, on the way there, are people going to band together? Are people going to, you know, try to find um, real community where they're not pushing their own agenda at the expense of all other community members? Um, right. And, you know, I don't see it that happening. So so it is a very much uh especially now again where you know in the arts, I mean, everybody's an instant artist. Everybody can self publish, you know, their 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 great American novel. <laughs> or oh, you know, everybody can write, you know, do some like biliously horrible hip hop <laughs> yeah. in the comfort of their own home. Yeah. So I mean it's it's uh and in that, you know, kind of celebrity culture, that influencer culture, you know, that we've created where it's just, you know, you're famous for your fame. Um,
0: It's interesting too, because it even cuts into uh, like some pretty gifted musicians have the same behavior and you're like, Mm -hmm. so it doesn't always fall into, you know, maybe people who are new to it and aren't really ready to, you know, submit music to radio, they need to work on their thing and yeah, But sometimes it's some of the most gifted people with this weird energy of like, it's absolutely about me. And you're like, you know, wait a minute. You have so yeah. much talent. It's automatically about you. People already gravitate to you. What is what is wrong with your soul that you yeah. need more than that? And you need yeah. to corrupt that, you know? Mm-hmm. And it's, it, it is. It's in Pluto Radio being one of the key operators of it has taught me a lot about the human condition and, and it's so in mm-hmm. sync obviously we're saying the same thing only using yeah. a different language because we come from different places but uh, it's 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 a little disappointing and I don't usually get disappointed about much in life you know mm-hmm. um, to see that type of behavior and so that we always end up with this corporate thing that is insurmountable yeah. yep. you know yeah and I, yeah I, I, <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, I, I personally think that the really the best era for the artists was uh, probably like the early to late 80s. Because you had that large corporate structure out there, but you also had independent labels and independent distributors. Right. But it was prior to Napster and it was prior to, you know, the Internet for most people. And... You didn't have, you know, um, all the sampling software and the ability to cut and paste like a Word document all your music. So you had kind of the best of both worlds. You would have uh, independent artists that were not yet completely gods and full of themselves. And, you know, (laughs) and and they could work their way up to that level and then burn out and go away. (laughs) And and that seemed to work out. for a good 10, 15 years. But now it's basically, yeah, it's become such an ego driven culture that it's uh, it's sort of a race to the bottom. And uh, in terms of the human condition, in terms of like, uh, your, you know, as you put it, your soul, you know, yeah. as, as an artist. the uh, um, So even if you do have talent, you tend to have to become this rapacious. this big monstrous cloud of ego you know push 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 because everybody else is doing it
0: right so and and then the idea of your failure becomes your motivator like your fear of failure becomes your motivator opposed to just the beauty of what you're what you're creating you know Mm -hmm. it's a strange i you know i tell a, a famous story about you but you don't know it's a famous story about you (laughs) <laughs> I tell the story of when you decided to just give all of your music away. Mm. I, I went online and I saw on your—I I, I would be, you know, paraphrasing the whole thing and boiling it down. Um, but it was basically like, okay, I am from today forward just giving my music away forever. And then I think I talked to you and you said, um, told this story about how. You started making money off of your music and then oh like, yeah yeah w- would you mind kind of retelling that okay story? so this was back in 2008
1: i put out right. two albums and that seems to be my pattern or it was for a while where i like just i walk away and i guess screw this i'm never doing anything like this again right uh, and then it just builds up and builds up and i have to put out two albums but i've done that twice in a row but 2008, I put out the uh, album I did with Greg Cutcher, Software. But I also had this one called The Quiet Earth Orchestra, which was sort of my homage to 70s Prague music, you know, the stuff that I grew up on. And I was distributing it and still do through CD Baby, um, and which is how I end up on horrible platforms like Spotify. But uh, um, so basically like for the first month i'm getting all kinds of actual physical sales and they're going oh we need another you know
0: 50 of these and I'm
1: like, wow and then after a month it just went
0: you know dropped right out
1: dropped right out and
0: i'm going what the
1: frick and uh so i go online and i'm i'm looking around and you know and i find out oh shit, i'm on like all these different torrent sites and i went on the one and yeah. this was like two months after I had released it. There had been about something like 52,000 copies downloaded, you know, for free. And, and I'm just, hey, you know, it's like, holy crap, 52,000 people are walking around with my album in their hard drives.
0: That's pretty yeah. cool. My pockets are and, empty.
1: <laughs> yeah. And I'm going, all right, if I got a buck out of each one of those, because I'm a cheap Hey, I mean, I live like a rat.
2: Right. <laughs>
1: I don't. I have very few, you know, needs. Um, and at times I've been able to pretty much put everything I own into, you know, an, an, an emptied-out minivan. And so I, you know, I don't, I don't want stuff. So I mean, especially living off-grid, as I, as I was for a while, exclusively. Yeah, I can get by easily on like twenty thousand a year uh or less <laughs> i've actually made less out here make more right. but made less so whatever you know give me a buck a copy and that's fifty-two thousand. so then i can basically spend the time i was you know uh working putting out music
0: yeah that wow, that'd you be great years. yeah that you two years yeah. of living baby
1: two years of you know and, and i can easily if all i do if i have the will and i have the motivation i mean i could do an album every six months of quality right. stuff so i mean i could have been four albums there and i
0: just
1: like no nope. all right so okay it's free you're gonna steal it anyway so it's yeah. free
0: <laughs> yeah it's a it's funny i mean it's not funny yeah I mean, but it's a it's a very ironic like here you are mastering all the new shit you have to learn to do what you're doing and then it bites yeah. you in the ass really oh yeah yeah that's nuts but
1: yeah well and with this release you know i kind of um i mean it was well beyond the point where i thought i was going to be able to retail it in any way or even sell you know more than a handful on Bandcamp or something but you know but then covid and i'm going there's absolutely no way i can justify being somebody who's able to you know who's generally made a living doing everything but music and okay with that um yeah i'm not going to be out there trying to take money out of people's pockets because we are not you know nobody's working um right. so you know yeah no, none, uh, of,
0: none of our people are working none of our people are working <laughs> all the uh, <laughs> there are a great many uh corporates and uh, yeah you know trust fund people that don't have to work and you know uh, it's, yeah. it's a mixed bag here in america you know in, yeah. in that sense but i hear what you're saying yeah but part of it too is the arc and the timing of what the how the internet changes right like mm-hmm. it's serendipitous in in most ways but because we can't see what the changes are it's just no. such an ironic story because here you are doing all the right things you finally figure it out you're finally making some money and then it goes away and then you're like uh okay yeah. what is it and then you find out yeah. someone's give someone in you know, europe yeah. is given giving it away it's just nuts
1: yeah in this case i think it was uh the, that whole thing started in japan because it was selling a ton of them in japan and yeah. then uh, and then all those sales went away and yeah. you know i think some of the torrent sites were hosted out there so i blame the japanese
0: <laughs> <laughs> You got to watch who you blame these days. You get, you yeah, get labeled yeah, with yeah. Uh, all this. <laughs> well,
1: nobody's dogged the Japanese lately. So, you know, I mean.
0: Exactly. You know, it's so, time. There we go. Yeah, It's funny, man. When I started, I'm i just kidding. Yeah, I think, I hope they can figure that out.
1: <laughs> yeah. These days. Yeah. It's kind of hard. Yeah. It's I mean, tricky. we live in a culture where, where people are either hypersensitive, yeah. um, or they're barbarians, you know, yeah. and it's just, uh. We are sort of, uh, I've said this many times before, but we're kind of, if we keep going, we're going to become like the Eli and the Morlocks and the time machine. You know, we're going to have like these brutish knuckle dragging subterranean cannibalistic things. And then we're going to have all these, you know, sort of like completely empty <laughs> <laughs> like beings that just are so totally inoffensive and yeah yeah i i, I you know especially the detroit thing where basically because i went from detroit to uh minneapolis when i was like um i think it was 26 and um it was major culture shock interesting yeah because because it's very passive aggressive where i live and this part of the midwest and it's a weird way of uh because I, I grew up listening to like garrison keeler you know didn't, and i just thought that was like just a joke and then when i moved out to garrison keeler land i realized no everything's saying is true yeah. <laughs> and here comes this guy from detroit you know full of piss and vinegar and just like you know yeah you know the passive part of passive aggressive i don't have that yeah <laughs> <laughs> so, so yeah, so you know, I got a, I got kind of a taste of where the culture overall is going. What I noticed about living in Minneapolis, as I did for about seven years, was you'd have ninety-five percent of the population that was really very PC and overly sensitive about anything that they said. Yeah, um, and then you would have five percent of them that were just like these visigods just trample over everybody because yeah. they knew that they could you know yeah. uh without any pushback and and that's a dynamic that i've I've seen a lot and that's kind of what our culture in some ways has become you've got I, one I, half I, of
0: you know i totally agree in the sense too when you were uh you know in a roundabout way talking about trump not that i want to get political either but it's like you know we got a talk show you know, a game show guy for a president for a reason, because the general mindset says that this behavior is okay, regardless if it's, if it's one or the other, the, the passivity Mm -hmm. versus the, the, you know, weird machoism of like, yeah, I'm the best, Yeah, you know, and it's like, man, the rest of us live somewhere between that, or at least feel like, we should live somewhere between that.
1: Well, but we're a dying breed. I mean, that middle, you know? Yeah. Um, and that what I call the reasonable middle yeah. and,
0: uh, which is crazy. at That's least a crazy thought.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It really is. You know? Um, <laughs> yeah, it's just, you know, like I said, Eloy and Morlocks, I mean, it's yeah. just this good. Perfect. Uh, perfect way. I've found of describing,
0: you know, I think it's a pretty, pretty good example, actually. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah. The cultural dichotomy, you know um, of the
0: of the contemporary right there, man, yeah,
1: yeah,
0: hey, hey, you know, I wanted to briefly talk about one other thing. I mean, um I, I got twenty thousand things to talk to you about, but within the condensed idea of the podcast itself, right. um, I wanted to ask you if you remember playing paychecks in Detroit, oh, yeah, cause yeah. I remember I actually made one of your shows down there,
1: yeah, I remember it. It yeah,
0: down there. yeah. 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 What was your experience playing that that cuz I played that bar a couple of years before you when it really? was like kind of when it was the tail end of the punk Detroit. Punk yeah. Scene. So you came in a little bit after that.
1: Well, we were like
0: I was in that band from
1: I think like 84 to 89 or something like that. Right. Cuz plenty the elder was 82 through 84 and then it was like Late eighty four through eighty nine I was in software. And
0: yeah. when that I first
1: good too. Yeah, thanks. We were yeah. a good band, I thought, yeah. uh, in our various permutations. And uh, um yeah, I, I don't know how many times I played that club.
0: Yeah. But it was I, uh, I remember it was an experience. Said, yeah, you you really seem to be having a great time is what I remember.
1: Yeah. Yeah, we had some we had some great gigs for a while. We became like their Wednesday night house band. Nice. But my thing with, because um, um, we had one guy in the band that really wanted to just be kind of local heroes. Yeah. And you know, and that was when I was just the singer, and I I hadn't picked up, you know, because I could play guitar and I could sing, but until I was in that band, uh, and we lost a guitarist. I never did both at the same time. Yeah, <laughs> so, I got you. so I so I had to learn how to, you know. because I was a good guitarist and a good singer, but I never had done this, the same. I'd never done them concurrently, and I had learned to how to do that. So the guy that left after I'd been in the band a couple of years, um, he really wanted to just play local shows, and he you know his thing was just hang out at the bar. Whereas I was, uh, I think the phrase that I came up with was why hit why aim for the gutter and miss right <laughs> so so it was basically at one point in time i came up with a local show name called sane ward and and then uh our you know international name would be Softwar, which was right. probably one of the more lame ideas i've ever had but uh but yeah i you know i really wanted to just not do local shows or just right. do them sparingly like once a month but uh, and once we started, you know, once we put out an EP, and it was starting to get some decent college radio charting, and I think it appeared on CMJ, um, and we would getting lots of reviews and stuff. It was sort of like, okay, you know, let's let's grab that brass ring and uh, get away from paychecks. <laughs> yeah. But but we did that whole circuit. We did paychecks. We did Blondies. We did uh, yeah. Uh, oh God! I mean, all those clubs. We played
0: this place that was part of that circuit, but it was in it was way on the west side called the Ranch. Yeah, I remember they, the Ranch. Yeah, yeah, and they they we played there, and then they ended up closing like four months later. So I blame myself yeah. for the closing of the Ranch.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I yeah, I don't know that we ever played. That we played Alvin's a lot. We played, um, yeah, on occasion. I think we played down at. Uh, Oh, what was the big place downtown? Majestic. St. Andrews. Oh, yeah, no, Saint Andrews. Yeah, we yeah. played Saint Andrews. Yeah, um, cool. yeah, we played. Uh, we played a you know a lot of those a lot of those clubs there, and uh, yeah, you know, and some were better than others. And, yeah, and but paychecks was just sort of like uh, you know we got along so well. Yeah. You know, with the it, was a, it was a cool
0: place. Yeah, it was late. It was a cool place. Come in. Um, I remember one of the the being excited because I got we got to warm up or open for the Motor City Mutants. Oh yeah. And I, <laughs> Art and Lysak. I just, <laughs> and I just thought, <laughs> okay, this will be cool because uh, you know they're going to bring a crowd. Yeah. And it was the that particular night for whatever reason uh, was like there were like six people. Yeah. And I thought, okay, That's I funny. guess. I guess the fact that they're the Motor City Mutants doesn't mean they have a score every night of the week.
1: No, well, I mean, that's the problem that you have when you're ubiquitous, you know, and you're like, you play three shows, in, you know, in your hometown a week, and that was what I was always harping on, um, was, yeah, we gotta, you know, not be too available. Yeah. Um, not be, you know, not be like those guys. And, and my model and unfortunately the the biggest problem that we had was you know the one that musicians who don't have you know money behind them none of us were kid rock you know none of us right. had, like right. <laughs> somebody that owned a bunch of stuff you know um funding our career so we were um we all had to work for a living and uh we could book you know we could take like little mini vacations from our various jobs and do these um I think the longest one we did was like seven or eight nights in a row of shows out of town. But then we do that like once a month or so. But the ideal that I had was like what the violent femmes would do, which was just basically, you know, live on the road for a year and schedule it in such a way as that every three months you're playing at the same place or, Mm -hmm. you know, or down the road from the same place so that you're making an appearance often enough that um people don't forget you. They right. go, oh, "It's just really cool, fun band. Let's go see these guys." And not so often that you're saturated and you're taken for granted. Yeah. So that was my theory. And had we all been able to just, you know, say, "Yeah, let's starve. Yeah, <laughs> let's get paid in beer and not know where our gas money's coming from for a while." But yeah. no, the that drummer,
0: sounds- yeah, the drummer had a
1: real life and stuff, yeah. you know. So.
0: That's the toughest thing about a band, especially when you're young and you think, well, we're young, we, we can all do this. But it's yeah. the idea of the agreement of how you're going to do anything becomes the difficult task. Oh, yeah. You know, so. Yeah. Hey, with all that said, uh, why don't we uh, remind everyone where they can find you on the Internet?
1: Well, um, I'm on band camp, you know, along with everybody. I'm really pretty active on soundcloud it is my youtube channel all these all this is under j-o-h-n-l-u-d-i so um and my albums i've got nine of them out right now and they're for free
0: uh Look at that. Download.
1: Yep. yeah just for like, free just like
0: what we talked about yeah but they're
1: uh they're on a thing called noise trade which is part of a of paste magazine as in paste like library paste Paste paste.com and then uh i think it's paste slash noise trade or something like that you can look it up you can you know find it but uh look i think if you do the search term noise trade and john Ludi. you have to register on there and what their angle is is that anytime you download something you have to enter an email address Hmm. but you know, since, you know, so, so whoever is giving their stuff away for free, if they're planning on touring or whatnot, they've got your email address to send you things. Well, I don't plan on touring ever. <laughs> so I well, may never play live again, ever. It's, well, so, wait, I'm sorry
0: to hear that one. We'll have, to yeah. visit the, we'll have to visit the yurt to hear you play live, it sounds yeah. like.
1: You know, it's just uh, it was never my favorite thing. Yeah. I mean, um, as a solo acoustic artist, it's you know, I've done it a fair amount, but yeah. frankly, I have. For me to feel the joy, I have to have a band behind me. I have yeah. to have that big wall of sound, and um, you know, that was when I felt total connection and catharsis. Was when I had a rhythm section and another guitarist, and just that, you know, and that sense of security where, yeah, if one of us screws up, the other guys are you know carrying on, and you know, and there was so, so much. Um, if I'm just playing me in an acoustic guitar. Um, I'm such a perfectionist that the it's agony if I if I blow a note or hit the wrong chord yeah. so I mean it's not fun for me for me it's like for me to do anything really anymore um there has to be you know some sense of joy or some sense that I'm actually doing something good in the world you know um, or even you know and I hate to say it does it pay anything, you know, well, I right. <laughs> like get gas money for the ride home out of it, you
0: know? So I, I think those are all reasonable. I mean, I, I live kind of by that. Do I want to do it? Uh, is it going to give yeah. me something like to, to bolster my soul? Uh, yeah. Or does it pay? Because I'll do it yeah. for pay too. Um, be, because it's just like, that's cool. Thank you. You're recognizing my talent. You're giving me some money for Yeah. It. Cool. Yeah. So I, I, it's, I, think it's, I can relate. Yeah, there's a whole psychology of
1: music should be free, you know, which is just sort of, well, I'm doing it because, you know, why fight the tide? Right. But I'm not doing it because I think music should be free. Right. And I've had people go, well, dude, music should be free, man. Okay, how about if I open up a coffee shop and I hire you and pay you nothing? Yeah. Because, you know. Because coffee free. Yeah, because... Cause your labor should be free. My labor is free. Yeah. You know? So, yeah. And you know, in a perfect world, we wouldn't have money in a perfect world. We would, uh, we wouldn't have that sort of thing. Everything would be free, but I don't right. necessarily know I don't necessarily believe that that should start with the arts just because technically they can do it.
0: <laughs> because People who can't do it decide that it should be free.
1: Yeah. 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 So, you know, so, I mean, that's kind of my thing is just like, yeah music should be free so should everything yeah, really exactly. you know we should there not have go. the the civilization that we've created <laughs> right. but, but here we are and right. you know and there's no reason why somebody who's you know struggled to learn classical piano and been doing it for 30 years should you know have to do it for absolutely nothing right and uh, you know some guy who comes up with you know like the guy who runs spotify you know some guy who comes up with a technical idea you know is raking in all the money
0: (laughs) so yeah yeah well grumble 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 it should be free except for the guy who owns spotify
1: yeah yeah
0: he's saying no no pay me my percentage off of john ludy's music and we'll be fine yeah absolutely
1: yeah it's a good thing that nobody listens to man spotify because that guy is making one red cent off of me man
0: boy you're teaching him a lesson <laughs>
1: <Yeah>. <laughs> yep my total lack of popularity and on nice. that venue yeah <laughs> well,
0: t- well john here's the thing man because it's a podcast i have to cut out i'd love to be okay. talking to you about, about okay. just john ludy's world but i don't think we can do that so uh normally i just have someone say where they can be found which we've already covered but i, ca- I cannot thank you enough it's been great no, kind of catching up with you again and uh, we're going to happily sign off here as soon as you All right. say your farewell to the audience, although I'm going to have you back.
1: Oh, absolutely. Yeah. 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 And, it, you know, and, and in the back of my mind has been, I got to record some new stuff for Pluto radio. So that's nice. been on my, you know, that's been on my mental docket, but it's just nice. sort of been like, honestly, exhaustion. Yeah. <laughs> so I mean, picture the way I was, you know, at sixteen is yeah. bitter and world weary and cynical and at forty years.
0: <laughs> yeah. And that's where I'm at, brother. It doesn't look like it's taken a toll on you though.
1: Oh, but it has.
0: <laughs> on the inside. Yeah. Well, dude. tears fan- of clown, man. It's been fantastic talking to you for Pluto. Yeah, right? likewise. All right, yeah. brother. All right. Love you, man. Thanks. Talk Mandy, to you later. Too. Hey there, this is John. I want to thank everybody for listening to the Mobile Radio Carnival at thecef.world. I also want to say, hey, thanks, John Loody, for being on the show.